Does God really want to spend time with you and with me? You know, many times we feel guilty about not praying enough, not spending enough time in our personal devotional life with the Lord. But today we're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective, and that is the fact that God wants to spend time with us. Hi, my name is David Dennis, and I'm so thankful you've joined me. I'm with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. This is the second of three podcasts on our personal walk with the Lord. Robert Boyd Munger, back in 1951, published a little pamphlet called My Heart, Christ's Home. In this pamphlet, he likens the rooms of a house to the rooms in our lives or our hearts. And I'm going to read an excerpt today from that that's been particularly meaningful to me. It's concerning the living room of our lives. Quote, We walked next into the living room. This room was rather intimate and comfortable. I liked it. It had a fireplace, overstuffed chairs, a sofa, and a quiet atmosphere. He, that is Jesus, also seemed pleased with it. He said, This is indeed a delightful room. Let us come here often. It is secluded and quiet, and we can fellowship together. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than have a few minutes with Christ in intimate companionship. He promised, I'll be here early every morning. Meet me here, and we will start the day together. So morning after morning, I would come downstairs to the living room, and he would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase. He would open it, and then we would read together. He would tell me of its riches and unfold to me its truths. He would make my heart warm as he revealed his love and his grace he had toward me. These were wonderful hours together. In fact, we called the living room the withdrawing room. It was a period when we had our quiet time together. But little by little, under the pressure of many responsibilities, this time began to be shortened. Why? I don't really know, but I thought I was just too busy to spend time with Christ. This was not intentional, you understand. It just happened that way. Finally, not only was the time shortened, but I began to miss a day now and then. It was examination time at the university. Then it was some other urgent emergency. I would miss it two days in a row and often more. I remember one morning when I was in a hurry, rushing downstairs, eager to be on my way. As I passed the living room, the door was open. Looking in, I saw a fire in the fireplace, and Jesus was sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, I thought to myself, He was my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as Lord of my home, and yet here I am neglecting him. I turned and went in. With downcast glance, I said, Blessed Master, forgive me. Have you been here all these mornings? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here every morning to meet with you. Then I was even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked his forgiveness, and he readily forgave me, as he does when we are truly repentant. The trouble with you, Jesus said, is this. You've been thinking of the quiet time, the Bible study, prayer time, as a factor in your own spiritual progress. But you have forgotten that this hour means something to me also. Remember, I love you. I have redeemed you at great cost. I value your friendship and fellowship. Now, he said, don't neglect this hour, if only for my sake. Whatever else may be your desire, remember, I want your fellowship. You know, the truth that Christ desires my companionship, that he loves me, wants to be with him, wants to be with me, and wants and waits for me, has done more to transform my quiet time with God than any other single fact. Don't let Christ wait alone in the living room of your heart, but every day find some time when, with your Bible and in prayer, you may be together with him. End quote. 
That story has stuck in my mind uh, ever since I first heard it a number of years ago. And I think about the times when we were raising our four children, we would make it a point, I would make it a point every Saturday to take out a different child. We'd go to McDonald's or Burger King or some restaurant and just spend time together eating and enjoying each other's fellowship. Now, I don't know how they looked at it. I suppose they looked at it as this would be a good time to get something that they enjoyed to eat. But I really enjoyed it myself. To me, it was a time of special fellowship, even if it was viewed differently uh, from their standpoint. And I think this is how Christ looks at his time with us. So often we look at our quiet time as something that we want to get out of, something important for us, and it is. But also we want to remember that Christ looks forward to it, and he desires our intimate fellowship and companionship. A friend, Dave Gresham, with the Navigators, said, We want to seek not only the word of the Lord, but also the Lord of the word. Let me repeat that. We are to seek not only the word of the Lord, but also the Lord of the word. Isn't that the goal in our quiet time and fellowship with Christ, is to seek him, seek him first. In Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, it tells a story about Jesus and Martha and Mary that is very instructive for me in this situation. I'll quote from the New King James Version. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know, in looking at that brief passage, I see three things about this relationship that are instructive for me as I meet with the Lord daily. In verse 39, we see Mary, and where is she? She is seated at Jesus' feet. So I think for me that means I need to have a posture and attitude of humility and teachableness. I shouldn't go into my quiet time, my devotional time, demanding things and wanting to get my way, but really an attitude and a posture of total humility, asking the Lord to teach me what he would have me learn. Also, secondly, in verse 39, we learn that Mary wants to hear his word, to get his perspective on life versus the world's. Verse 39 says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I ask myself, what am I listening to? Am I listening for the latest news and interruptions? Am I listening to the social media uh, feed from Facebook? Am I reading Twitter? I need to listen for his word. Mary had a posture of humility, teachableness, and was listening to his word, making that the priority in her life. Well, the third thing we learn from this passage about listening to the Lord is in verse 42, which says, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I am to choose the one thing, which is that love relationship with Jesus, getting to know him most of all, choosing the one thing, the love relationship with Jesus. 
So the three things we learn from this passage are we are to be in a posture of humility and teachableness as Mary was at the feet of Jesus. We are to tune our ears to hear his word, to get his perspective on life versus the world's. And finally, I need to choose the one thing, and that is the love relationship with Jesus, getting to know him more and more. There's an interesting verse over in 2 Corinthians 3.18. In the New Living Translation, it says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. This passage is concerning the time that Moses was on Mount Sinai, talking with the Lord directly, and his face shone brightly. He put a veil over his face so the people would not see the brightness fading away. So it says again in this passage, Second Corinthians 3.18, All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And then listen to this, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Looking at Christ looking at his word and seeing him through his word changes me. Keeping my eyes on Jesus is the key to transformation. Romans 12.2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. You know, we become more and more like those that we admire. I had several teachers in my career both high school and college and afterwards, that I really admired. But one in particular stands out to me. I would emulate him. I would try to speak like he spoke. I would try to uh, think of the world the way he thought of the world. I would try to imitate him. And I think that's what it's like as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we see him more and more clearly, we will want to emulate him as the Holy Spirit changes our lives. In Romans 8, verses 5 and 6, according to the New American Standard Bible, it says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. I have to ask myself, where is my mind set? Is my mind set on the flesh? And I think in context, this means the idea that I can gain acceptance by God by trying to obey the law. That's what the passage says in just a few verses prior to that. Do I have my mind set on the flesh, trying to live up to some standard, trying to obey rules and regulations uh, that are present in, in Scripture? We are to be obedient. There's no question about that. But is that the basis of my relationship with the Lord? This passage in Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, The mind set on the flesh, that is my own power to change things, is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Where is your mind set today? Is it on your own ability to live up to certain rules? Is it trying to be good enough to be accepted by God? Or is your mind set on the spirit? Is your mind set on Christ, focusing on him? One way to do that is by spending daily time with Him in His Word. So in answer to the question we started with, does God really want to spend time with me? The answer is a resounding yes. He loves you. He gave His life for you. 
I would urge you as you approach your daily quiet time with the Lord to remember this, that He desires to spend time with you and develop that intimate relationship. And remember to seek not only the Word of the Lord, but most importantly, the Lord of the Word. I hope today's podcast has been helpful for you in your walk with the Lord. Thank you so much for joining me. Next week will be the third of our three podcasts in this series on walking with the Lord, and we'll look at some practical aspects, some how-tos of spending time with the Lord to get to know Him better. Join me next time as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.